This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. I will say that, guys, we have already hit record numbers on our live stream this morning. So if you have not yet shared, please go ahead and share before we go into the message here in just a minute. Share this stream uh, and get the word out there so that we can touch more people than, uh, than we ever had before. Shauna mentioned that we'd be um, doing some, um, some interesting things throughout the week uh, on Facebook Live. I'm going to go ahead and mention one at, uh, at 7 o'clock tonight. You guys tune into the Church of the Harvest Facebook page, and Jack and Terry Rowell are going to lead us in worship live on Facebook tonight. So it's seven o'clock, and we'll we'll put up a we'll put up a little post, a reminder. It's going to come up, and uh, and at seven o'clock, it's going to go live. And you guys, they're going to lead us in a few songs. And uh, so I just what a what a great way to to end Easter. Just get your family together at seven, uh, you know, before bedtime, maybe after dinner, and just uh, for about fifteen minutes, and and just uh, just worship together. So we're we're definitely looking forward. To to that. So, guys, if, uh, I think I've already said it, but, uh, but uh, welcome to our Easter service. It is Resurrection Sunday. How many of you are thankful that we get to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior? Um, you know, I, let me say this too. Uh, we're hearing a lot of thunder and lightning. If, again, if, if power goes out or if we lose, uh, we lose the live stream for whatever reason. I know we had issues with our internet earlier this week. If it goes out for whatever reason, try again at one o'clock and we'll try to, uh, we'll try to post the entire service together. And so, uh, so yes, happy Easter. It is, uh, it is unfortunate that we can't uh, meet together. And I, I'm betting that for many of you, it is the first time in your life that you have not been sitting in a church building on Easter Sunday. Kind of, it probably feels weird. How many of you would say that it feels weird to not be sitting in a church building on Easter Sunday? As my mom raises her hand, as she's sitting in a church building on Easter Sunday. <laughs> We're in church, but it feels weird to us too because you guys aren't here and the room is almost completely empty, uh, but that's all right. We, uh, we're following you guys online here and uh, glad that, that, you are, that you are with us. I read something on Facebook um, this week and it said, um, it said, 2,000 years ago, all of the powers of hell tried to stop the first Easter. They couldn't stop it then and they can't stop it now. We celebrate the resurrection regardless of what is going on in our world. And the good news is that you are the church and I am the church. And we are having church right now through a camera, through your TV screen, through your tablet, through your laptop, whatever it may be. We are worshiping and celebrating together. Yes, I know, Marilyn, it is weird. It is odd, isn't it? But that's all right. I believe the time is coming. We're going to be back together soon. I do want to mention, uh, as I have each week, that our vision is still the same. We are here to make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. We do it through community, discipleship, and outreach. And our, our methods have changed, but guys, the church is rising in the Lord's power and the Lord's strength and its courage and in creativity and innovation. And I believe the church is stretching and growing as it never has before. And I, I want to give a shout out. I, I, he mentioned it just a minute ago. But uh, let me say that, uh, that Mike Reed, I was awfully proud of you. Uh, we, we, if you know Mike, you know he's not the most technologically uh, illiterate guy out there, but he figured out Zoom and he got the men's community group on Zoom this week. And so we had uh, all these guys together on Monday night and had a, had a great discussion together and it just worked flawlessly. And so, uh, so proud of you, Mike. Thank you guys. Uh, any of you guys who want to be part of that, you can get more information about the uh, community group on the church uh, website, midsouthharvest.org. And uh, you can get his info, get in contact with him, and you can be a part of that, uh, of that Zoom as well, that conference call uh, together. Um, you know something else I was thinking of yesterday? I, I don't know if you thought of this, Dad, but we have multiple campuses. We have more campuses than we could have ever imagined. I imagine that maybe one day we might go to a second campus. Uh, from what I see right now, we've got more people online than we've ever had before. We've probably got about 100 different campuses going on out there right now. <laughs> <laughs> that are having church together. Uh, what, a, uh, what a jump forward for us. But guys, we are moving forward. COVID-19 is not going to slow us down. And uh, let me mention real quick before I get started to the message, many of you have been reading with us this week uh, through the Unite 714 website. And I wanted to read the prayer for this week. And they gave us two scriptures and they, they released this today. Ephesians 6, 18 and 19 
says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints and also for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. And then Psalm 18 verse 2 says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, my horn of salvation, and my stronghold. If you have the Unite 714, if you have that prayer, uh, I encourage you to pull it out. I think maybe it's uh, about to be posted on the, uh, on the Facebook live stream. And there it is. It just posted up there. You guys can, uh, can read this together with us. Let's pray it together. Lord, we humbly call upon your name, asking for supernatural peace and strength. In Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul speaks of the spiritual power of prayer. Lord, as we pray today, we are fully engaged and armed for battle against COVID-19. Your word says that when we pray according to your will, our prayers are mighty and powerful. You are a rock, shield, and fortress. Lord, protect our families, churches, cities, and nations from the effects of COVID-19. We ask you to put fresh words of faith, comfort, healing, and salvation in the mouths of your people around the world. Give pastors and their congregations the words they need to fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. We pray that through this prayer of faith today, fear and worry will lose its grip on our world in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask that you shield us, our families, our churches, our cities, and the nations of the world from the ravages of COVID-19. Lord, we ask that you shield all doctors, nurses, first responders, and vulnerable people from con contracting COVID-19. Lord, we ask that you shield the world from panic and despair as your church boldly proclaims the good news of Jesus Christ. In this uncertain time, may people find true comfort and peace in their souls as they call upon your name. We humbly ask all these things in the powerful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. amen. You guys believe it? We receive it in Jesus' name. Guys, as I said, this is going to pass. And I believe that soon we will be back together in these four walls and we'll be worshiping together. In the meantime, we are still here to serve you. We want to hear from you. We want your prayer requests to go out to our prayer team so that we can, so that we can lift you up. Uh, we are family and we do stand together. Um, by the way, I do, I've mentioned it a couple times, but at the end of service, uh, closer to the end of service here in about half an hour, we will be taking communion together. So if you have not already gathered your communion elements, have somebody run and grab a few things for you, whatever you need to take communion together with us. And uh, how many of you love that song, The Blessing, at the, uh, at the end of worship? We're going to do that one more time at the end of, uh, at the end of communion. So, uh, so get your communion elements together if you don't have that. And again, we thank you for joining with us, getting your families together, not just spectating, not watching, but joining with us in worship as we worship the Lord and we get into his word together. Are you all ready to get into the word? <laughs> Thank you for that hand back there. I appreciate it. Um, guys, uh, you know, Easter is, um, Easter is a special time in the world. It's a special time for us as, um, as believers, as followers of Christ. And uh, as I was thinking about this, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I struggled a little bit. Um, I, I've, I've been working on this for weeks and, and I was struggling a little bit because here's the reality, as, especially as most of us here are believers, um, we know the story. We know the price that Jesus paid. Um, we know that we're saved by grace. Um, we, we get that. But, you know, I, I think that sometimes we need reminders. Uh, but I think also many times there's things in this life that um, begin to take uh, precedence and priority that shouldn't be there. And, um, you know, I, I talked, I did a message um, a year or two ago talking about the weight of things, how, how we don't sometimes understand the, the full weight of a situation or, or whatever it is it may be. And, and I think you would agree with me that sometimes we don't take things as seriously as we should in this life. And, um, you know, I, in thinking about that, I think that sometimes because we don't take things as seriously as, as, seriously as we should, we end up um, suffering negative consequences as a result of it. And we look back and we say, why in the world did I not, why in the world did I not take that more seriously, you know, in my life? And 
I was thinking of how, uh, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, as we were going through the story, I was talking about Moses, and I was comparing Moses to taking the children of Israel on a road trip. And uh, if you remember, I was talking about how, how fun it is to take little kids on a, on a long road trip together. And uh, I was thinking about that a couple of days ago, and I, and I thought, how many of you can relate to being in the car and going on a drive, having to head somewhere, and you've got your kids in the back seat, but you've got that one kid that won't stay in their seatbelt and won't keep their hand off their sibling. You ever been there? And you try to turn around nicely and you say, I need you to sit down and buckle your seatbelt and keep your hands off your sibling. And you have peace in the car for about 13 seconds. And suddenly it resumes again, right? And there's yelling and screaming going on and all this stuff. And you turn around and you say, I, look, I told you to get, get that, sit down in your seat and tighten your seatbelt. Keep your hands to yourself. Do not touch your brother. Don't touch your sister. Do you hear me? Yes, I hear you. Okay. About five seconds goes by of peace. And then it's happening again, right? And if you're like my wife, if you're like Shauna, she'd be waving her arm in the back seat, pinching legs and, and, and trying to do all kinds of things. Um, but there comes a point where you finally say, you know what? I've warned you multiple times, and you've disobeyed me over and over again. We're about to be home. When we get home, I want you to go to my room because you're going to get spanked. Now, suddenly that unruly child becomes the perfect little angel and is sitting down in their seat and their seat belt is all buckled tightly and they are just as sweet and polite and ready to go. They, 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 what's the difference? Before, well, they thought maybe you were serious, but now they know that you're serious. And that brought a change to their behavior. Today, I want to talk for a minute about one of the most, the most pivotal point in history being the resurrection of Jesus. And, you know, we may ask, what difference does the resurrection make? Well, there are people, there are people that sit in church on every Sunday of the year that think that Jesus is the Messiah. But let me tell you, because of the resurrection, we can know that Jesus is the Messiah. It'll make a difference even in our behavior because we don't just think he's Lord. We know that he is the Lord. Um, Sean and I recently watched a series called The Chosen. How many of you out there have watched The Chosen? I know a bunch of you have. Uh, just give some thumbs up and give a shout out for The Chosen. I know a bunch of you have, have loved watching that and, and have been sharing it with, with one another. It is available. We sent it out in the email this week. It is available right now. Normally you have to pay. It's available on YouTube right now for free. So go to that email that we sent you and you can click on it and you can watch it through uh, this mini-series on YouTube. But, but it is a mini-series and it centers around the life of Jesus. But as I watched it, I found that, that in many ways, it, to me, it more focused on the perspective of Peter and Peter's perspective of the events surrounding Jesus. And this kind of changed my perspective a little bit and, and caused me to, to uh, look at some things I'd never previously considered because it, it really shows the disciples, it just shows them in real life. You know, we, it, it, it kind of reads between the lines a little bit and what we see in Scripture. And they, and they do take some artistic license and liberty in it. But, um, but I think it's really good because suddenly as you watch this, you can kind of relate to them. And, you know, as, as I remember in it, when Jesus first is calling the disciples together and telling different ones to follow him, and they're all coming together and they're kind of meeting each other for the first time and, and going, do you know what we're going to do? do you, where's he taking us? What is this all about? And I never considered that, that the disciples, they didn't know what to expect. And, and so I love the perspective in The Chosen as they, talk about, as they talk about Peter and his perspective in that. I also heard a message recently I believe Pastor Robert Morris did, talking about Peter and, and his journey and his perspective in this. And so that's been kind of rolling around in me for the last month or so, is the perspective of the Apostle Peter. And what can we learn from the life of Peter? Well, we know that Peter went from a place of thinking that Jesus was the Messiah to a place where he knew that Jesus 
was the Messiah. We know that from the beginning of the story where we first see Peter fishing to the end of the story, we know that Peter's life was radically changed. And that's kind of what I want to do. I want us to kind of track along the story of, uh, I guess, the journey of Peter's life for a few minutes this morning. And I just want us to start in Luke chapter 5. By the way, the YouVersion Bible notes are up. So if you have a different device that you're not watching on, you can, uh, you can jump over and you can follow along on, uh, on the notes from there. But in Luke chapter 5, verses 4 through 6, Uh, This is when we believe Peter meets Jesus for the first time. And it says, when he, being Jesus, had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Verse 5, but Simon Peter answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled, what's it say? All night and caught what? Caught nothing. Now I can just hear Peter make a big sigh. (sighs) nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And verse 6 says, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Guys, how awesome a moment that must have been. That must have opened the eyes of these men as, as they're experiencing this. But we know that a few minutes later, Jesus turns to them and he says, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. And we know that Peter and Andrew and James and John, they leave their boats and they leave their nets and they basically leave their life behind to follow Jesus. They leave their, they leave their old life behind them, not really knowing what's ahead, but they leave to follow Jesus. And that is the beginning of what leads Peter on this journey that I want us to follow through on today. So, Three things I'm going to give you, three, three points, three moments from Peter's life that I want to give you this morning. Number one, the first thing I want to mention is Peter's declaration. Peter's declaration. You know, we know what a declaration is. Most of us probably watching have made a declaration to make Jesus or to follow Jesus and make him the Lord of our life. And I believe this is exactly what Peter did when he chose to leave the boat and he chose to leave the nets and leave his life as he knew it to follow Jesus. He was, choos- he was making a declaration. His, he was declaring whatever that may have looked like, he was declaring that he was going to follow Jesus. And we know that if we go on, if you look uh, at a couple different uh, passages that, um, from different books that share the same story, from Matthew chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, Jesus is speaking and he says, but who do you say that I am? He's speaking to the disciples. Who do you say that I am? But it says in verse 16, Simon Peter's the one who answers. And he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And I can just imagine Peter in that moment. He's the, he's the one in the classroom. He's got his hand up. Ooh, 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 I know, I know. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. Did I get it right? And yes, he, he did get it right. But I think in this same answer uh, we, that he gives in that moment, we... He he's believes that Jesus is the, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, but he's making that same declaration that we make in the moment that we ask Jesus to be Lord of our life. And we say, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart. I want you to be Lord and Master of my life. Be my Messiah. Be my sacrificial lamb. He, we're making that declaration, okay? And Peter has made that declaration. So this is who Peter believed that Jesus was. But we know that it wasn't perfect, and we know that it wasn't settled within him, because about three years after Peter first meets Jesus, we come to Matthew chapter 26, verse 31. This is about three years after Peter meets Jesus. Matthew chapter 26, verse 31, it says, then Peter said to them, and he's speaking to the disciples, he says, all of you, how many? All, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, he says this, it's already there, it's in the Bible, it's been prophesied, it's going to happen. It is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. And, but Peter answered him, Peter opened up his mouth, he's ready to speak. Peter answers and says to him, Lord, even if all, everybody is made to stumble because of you, I will what? I will never I will never be made to stumble. How many of you know never is a really big word? 
I will never be made to stumble. Well, Jesus is ready with an answer for Peter in the next verse. In verse 34, Jesus says to him, assuredly, I say to you this night. He's basically saying, Peter, let me tell you how long that commitment you just made, let me tell you how long that's going to last. Assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter says to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. If you see a big exclamation point at the end, he is adamant. And everybody else follows him because it says, and so said all the disciples. They all followed Peter's lead. Guys, I'm not, um, I'm not trying in any way to put Peter down, not trying to demean him in any way, not trying to make fun of him. You know, in reality, I think part of the reason I'm talking about Peter is because, to me, I feel that he, um, he's probably the most like me. <laughs> he's probably the most relatable. He's the one that loves to put his foot in his mouth and say the wrong thing and do the wrong thing in the, in the, <laughs> in the wrong moment. And, um, and it's kind of open and for everybody to see. And that's one of the things I think that that we tend, to, um, we tend to love about Peter. He's, he's relatable. He's, he's down to earth. And, you know, how, but you may look at that and think, well, I'm not like Peter. I mean, but how many of you out there, how many of you have ever made a statement to the Lord? You've made a vow to the Lord, and you've, you have, in an earnest moment, you have said, Lord, you see this I've done right here? I will never, ever do that again. I will never do it again. But then you did it. You say, God, I'll never, I'll never go back to this. I'll never do whatever it may be. I'll never, I'll never go back to my old life. I'll never say this. I'll never. But then suddenly you find yourself failing and doing it. I believe if we were all here in these walls, I believe we would have 100% of the hands in the air. We've all been there. So I believe that we can relate to Peter. We can't be self-righteous and say, that old scoundrel Peter, he goes on and he denies Jesus. Shame on him. The reality is we have all denied Jesus. We have all said, Lord, I won't stumble again. Lord, I won't do it. I'll even tell you what area I won't stumble in. And then suddenly we fall in that area. Even though we've made this declaration to Jesus, so the first part of Peter's journey I want to mention was Peter's declaration. Number two, the second thing I want to mention is Peter's denial. Peter's denial. So we know that as Jesus said, <laughs> well, several things happened that night. On that night, we know that Jesus and the disciples get together and they have the Last Supper. And we know that Judas betrays Jesus and, and uh, Jesus is arrested in the garden and that he is taken to the home of the high priest. And if we just, uh, if we go down a few verses, remember Peter has just said, if all stumble, I won't stumble, I'll die for you. And if you just go down a few verses in, in Matthew 26, go down a few verses to verse 69, Matthew chapter 26, verse 69. This, guys, this is just maybe a few hours later. Now Peter was outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him saying, you also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it. He denied it before them all and said, I do not even know what you're saying. Verse 71, and when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. But look at verse 72, but it says, but again, he denied it with an oath. This is like, he denied it with, he didn't just deny it, he denied it with an oath. This is like putting your hand on the Bible, raising your right hand, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, help me God. He swears with an oath that he, and denies Jesus, saying, I do not know the man. And then in verse 73, it says, and a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, surely you are one of them, for your speech betrays you. He says, you got to be one of them. You got that southern draw. I guess it would be northern. You've got that northern accent. 
You've got that Galilean accent. We can tell that you're one of them. It says in verse 74, then Peter began to curse and swear. Guys, this isn't the good cursing and swearing, okay? He began to curse and swear, I do not know the man. Notice the exclamation point again. He is adamant. What's the next word? It says, immediately, a rooster crowed. Guys, (laughs) can you imagine what Peter felt in that moment? I, I can't. I can't begin. He had just hours earlier had said, I will never deny you. Jesus says, no, you'll deny me three times. He says, I will die with you. Peter, and Jesus says, you'll do it before the rooster crows. But here's the thing. It gets even worse. If we jump to a different telling of this story in Luke chapter 22, it's exactly the same story. In Luke chapter 22, verse 60, it says, but Peter said, man, I do not know what you're saying. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And look at verse 61. And it says, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Guys, they're in the courtyard of the home of the high priest. And many believe that courtyard was probably very small, probably about 100 by 100 feet. And the courtyards in Israel don't tend to be very large anyway. And so when the rooster crowed, Jesus, I mean, he's within eyeshot. He's literally just a number of feet away. And so while Peter is still speaking, denying, saying, I don't know the man, the rooster crows. He looks over and catches eyes with Jesus. And you imagine how utterly crushed he would have been. But it gets worse. Go down two scriptures. Go down two verses. What was happening at the time? What was going on? We believe that, that Jesus was being beaten. Because two verses down, it says, And having blindfolded him, they struck him in the face and asked him, Prophesy, who is the one who struck you? If you go to a different telling in Mark chapter 15, verses 17 through 19, it says, And they clothed him with purple and twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they struck him on the head with a reed. Remembering he's got the crown of thorns on there. They're hitting him in the head. They spat on him and bowing the knee, they worshiped him. It goes on to say that they were plucking the beard out of his face. So when Jesus looks over and catches eyes with Peter, it's very likely that Jesus had black eyes. It's very likely that his face was bruised up. It's very likely that there was blood running down his face from the thorns in his scalp. How bad would you feel in that moment? We know the Bible tells us that Peter ran and he, he wept bitterly. And again, we're not putting Peter down. We're relating to him because the reality is we've all been there. And you might say, well, I, I've never denied Jesus with my words like Peter had. But you know what? I promise you, you've denied him with your works. You have. Titus 1.16 says, they profess to know God, but in works they deny him. Guys, think about it. We've made this declaration to the Lord. Lord, I'll never deny you. I'll follow you all the days of my life. I'll never do it again. And then we look back and we deny him in our works and we do it again. Let's get to the good news. What changed in Peter? We know that Peter goes on to become one of the greatest voices in the New Testament. We know that he's called a pillar of the church. What changes in Peter from that moment on? So we've talked about Peter's declaration to follow Jesus. We've talked about Peter's denial. The last thing, number three, last thing I want to talk about is Peter's decision. 
Peter's decision. And I want us to stick with this. I want you guys to get this. We'll stick with this for just a minute. And I want you to understand, as we've gone through these three, several things have happened since, um, since Peter's denial. Since, after Peter denied Jesus, we know that Jesus was, um, he was tried by the high priest. He was tried by Herod. Um, he was tried and condemned by Pilate. Um, we, know that, um, we know that he was stripped naked. He was tied to a column and that he was scourged. And um, I don't have time to go into that, but there are ancient writings that tell us that that scourging, um, a lot of people died from it. Um, we're told by Josephus and other ancient historians that um, many times you could not recognize the person by the time that beating was complete. Uh, one historian says that sometimes you could not tell the gender of the person because their body was so ripped and torn. This is what Jesus has experienced. We know that he's been forced to carry his crossbeam, it's called the patibulum. It weighed up to 120 pounds. He's forced to carry that through the streets to a place called Golgotha. Again, he's stripped down, stripped of all dignity. We know that metal spikes were put through the hollow of his wrists. And they believe that that was done onto that cross beam, the patibulum. And they believe that that patibulum, we've seen it different ways in movies, but they believe that patibulum was actually picked up. They were dragged up by their arms, by their wrists, and it was set up on the post in the ground called the stipe. And it was attached. They were attached together, and then they would put that spike into, uh, into their feet after that. And we know that Jesus hung there for six hours. And he was mocked, and he was ridiculed, and we know that crucifixion is actually, um, among, other, among other things, it's, it's death by suffocation. You can't breathe. And we know that for every breath that Jesus took, he had to press up, he had to press himself up on that spike in his feet to take every gasp of air for six hours. Finally, at 3 p.m., we know that he cries out and says, it is finished, he gives up his spirit and he dies. And um, we know that he takes the sin of the world. He doesn't just take the sin of the world. He becomes sin for us. And we know that during this time, most of his disciples were hiding. They were cowering. They were huddled up in fear. You know, after he dies, we know that it was decided because, um, because that day, it, it, was, it was Shabbat. It was the Sabbath. And evening was drawing near when, when the Sabbath would start. And so they decided to go ahead and allow Jesus' body to be taken off the cross and to be buried. And because uh, you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. And so, um, so Joseph of Arimathea, he places Jesus' body in the tomb. And um, a big stone was rolled in front of the tomb, probably sealed in mortar, and um, in front of the entrance. And so on Sunday... Aren't y'all thankful for Sunday? On Sunday, we know the tomb was found to be empty. And different people began to see Jesus. And the Bible even tells us that he appears to the disciples. But I want to get back to Peter. Because I believe that Jesus had unfinished business with Peter at this point. I can only imagine the guilt and the shame that Peter is walking through even in this moment as he's hearing that Jesus is risen. As I said, my third point is Peter's decision. His decision happens after the resurrection. Not when he thinks that Jesus is the Messiah, but once he knows that Jesus is the Messiah, now that he's risen from the dead. But I think that Peter is still discouraged. I think that probably he doesn't know where he stands with Jesus. And it's probably eating him up inside and go back for a minute and remember remember that first moment when Peter and Jesus meet remember he's fished all night and caught nothing right and Jesus tells him to let down his nets on the other side of the boat and he catches this huge load of fish but watch what happens in John chapter 21 in John chapter 21 verses 3 through 6 look at this it says so Peter said to them I am going fishing I think, I think Peter just said, you know what, I don't know what to do. 
I'm, I'm going back to life as I know it. I'm going fishing. And they said to him, that's being the disciples, they said, you know what, we're going with you. So they went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught what? They caught nothing. These professional fishermen. But when morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus is doing that thing he does like he did with the guys on the road to Emmaus. They're standing there walking and talking with him. They didn't know it was him. He's doing that thing again. They don't know that it's him, but he's standing there on the shore. And it says, he says to them, I believe he, he calls out across the water, and he says, children, have you any food? You got any food? And they answered back, no. And he said to them, well, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Can you imagine how that had to make the disciples' ears perk up? Sounds like that's some deja vu right there. What in the world is going on? So they cast their nets on the other side of the boat. And it says, and they were not able to draw it in. They were not able to draw the net in because of the multitude of fish. They couldn't draw it in. We don't have any indication that they got any fish. They couldn't pull it in. If you read on a couple verses down, it says that John speaks up. And John says, it's Jesus. The Bible goes on to say, it says that they were only about 300 feet from shore. And the Bible tells us that Peter plunged himself into the sea and he swam to shore. Peter had to see Jesus. When he got there, funny thing is, Jesus already had fish on the shore. It says he already had some cooking for them over a fire. He already had everything they needed. He already had provided for them what they were looking for. He had it right there. What's really interesting to me <clears throat> is that Jesus does exactly the same miracle this day as he does on the day that he meets Peter. Why in the world would he do that? He already had fish on the shore. He's already cooking it up for them over a fire when they get there. I believe he did it for Peter. I believe he was saying, Peter, it's okay. You can start over. You can have a fresh start. I believe he was saying, I know what you did. I know what you said. I was there. But I died for your failures. And I rose again so that you could have a fresh start every time that you make a mistake. This is also where where Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus says it a second time, Peter, do you love me? Well, yes, Lord. And I I can only imagine that was probably feeding some of the insecurities within Peter. Why Why does Jesus keep asking me this? The third time, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter, I don't know if it was out of frustration or out of brokenness or whatever else, but he says, Lord, you know all things. And you know that I love you. I hadn't been able to make it through this part one time <laughs> since I've gone through it. Um, Jesus already knew that Peter loved him. He knew that. But Peter was the one with the insecurities. Peter is the one who had messed up. Peter was the one who had the doubts. But the resurrection had taken care of that. And I believe that he wanted Peter to know that he could mess up. And he could repent and be forgiven and he could still love them. But look at this. If we look at it, go down a few verses. Verse 18. Jesus is talking to Peter. And he says, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, Peter, you girded yourself. It just simply means you dressed yourself and you walked where you wished. You went wherever you wanted to. But look, Jesus begins prophesying over him. He says, but when you were old, he says, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you or dress you and will carry you where you do not wish. And this he spoke signifying by what death he, being Peter, would glorify God. He was saying, Peter, you're going to be crucified. 
And when he had spoken this, he said to him, look at it. He said to him, follow me. He's just done the same miracle he did the first time he met Jesus. He affirms Peter with his love and with his grace. And then he uses the same words from his first meeting with them. He says, Peter, follow me. Follow me. And he was saying, Peter, I need you to make, I need you to make a recommitment. He says, as a matter of fact, Peter, I want you to follow me. And you're going to follow me to the cross. Matter of fact, Jesus had said this before. Matthew 16, verse 24. He said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Jesus had always said, if you're going to follow me, it's going to be by the way of the cross. And they knew, they, they were very familiar with crucifixion. They, had seen, they used to, Romans would line the road with crucified people. They used it as an example They knew what crucifixion meant. To them, crucifixion meant death. But for the first time, because of the resurrection, crucifixion meant life. It meant life after death. We know that Peter starts following Jesus in Luke chapter 5, but in John chapter 21, he makes a recommitment to follow him. And we know that this was a different commitment than the declaration the first time because of who Peter goes on to become in the church. He goes on to become this great leader. I mean, look, before Peter's denial, right before his denial in Matthew 26, verse 58, it says, but Peter followed him, (coughs) excuse me, followed him, Jesus, at a distance to the high priest's courtyard. It says he followed him at a distance. This is after the declaration, but before the denial. Peter is following Jesus at a distance. If I was to jump right to the end, and I'm almost there, (laughs) that's what I would ask you is, are you following Jesus? Are you following him at a distance? How closely are you following him? Are you willing to follow him to the cross? Are you willing to follow him to the place of denial of self? In John chapter 21, Jesus is saying, Peter, you want to follow me? It's going to end at the cross. And we know from history, we know that Peter was crucified. We know that he was crucified upside down and that that was his choice. When they came to him and said, you're condemned, you're going to be crucified, he said, please crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to die in the same manner that my Lord died. And so history tells us that they honored that last request, and they crucified him, and they turned the cross upside down. Peter's entire life changed from denying Jesus to preaching him to the whole world. Look, and as I wrap up here, Acts chapter 2 If you remember the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit has been poured out, has filled all those in the upper room, and there's people on the outside, and they're saying, those people are all drunk. It was Peter that stood up and was the first one to speak. In Acts chapter 2, verse 15, he said, For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. It was Peter that stood up. And spoke to the thousands of people that were outside. He goes from denying Jesus to preaching Jesus. And we know that that very day, he leads 3,000 people to Christ. Guys, that's just in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 3, we know that he speaks to a lame man. And he says, silver and gold have I none. But such I have I give you in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. We know that in Acts chapter 4, they've beaten him and they've commanded him not to preach anymore. And he says, there is no other name under heaven by which men must uh, among, given among men by which we must be saved. We know in Acts chapter 5, they were bringing out all the lame and all the sick, just hoping that Peter's shadow would come across them so that they might be healed. Peter is a changed man. He went from declaring, believing that Jesus was Lord, to knowing that Jesus was Lord, and it changed everything. In Luke chapter 5, Peter thought he was God, Jesus was God. In John chapter 21, Peter knew that Jesus was God. When, Peter said to G- when Peter, Jesus said to Peter, follow me to the cross, Peter said, yeah, I'll follow you to the cross because I know that it's not the end. I know that it leads to life. And guys, we've all done it. 
You may have made a commitment to follow Jesus when maybe you were a small child, but maybe for much of your life, maybe all of your life, maybe you, like Peter, have been following him at a distance, as it says. Maybe it's different, and maybe you've had an encounter in your life that changed everything. Maybe you've gone from that place of no longer believing that he possibly is Lord, but a place of knowing that he's Lord. Or a place, maybe you've gone from a place of thinking that maybe he can change your life to a place of knowing that he can change your life. Maybe you have made that commitment to follow him and your life has changed. Does it mean you're perfect? No, we know that even, we know that Peter wasn't perfect. They they had issues and stuff. Even after Jesus was gone, even after the infilling of the Holy Spirit, there was still issues. But Peter knew that he was accepted. He knew that he was loved. He knew that he belonged to Jesus, even in the midst of his mistakes. He knew because of the power of the resurrection that his sins were forgiven. Many times in our Christian walk, we have done the same thing as Peter, and we have denied him with our works, and we've had to go back just like Peter and say, Lord, you know all things. I messed up, but you know I love you. And Jesus' answer to us in that moment, just like it was was to to Peter, is follow me. If you're like me, if you're like me, you've probably made all kinds of commitments to follow Jesus in your life. You've probably made recommitments over and over again. And I'm not talking about getting saved again. I'm just talking about recommitting to wholeheartedly following him with all of your all that you are. And I guess that's how I want to conclude. That's what I'm asking today, this uh, Easter, this Easter Sunday. Will you recommit your life to following Jesus? the risen Lord. And I do want to ask the worship team to come up, and we're going to take communion here in just a minute. Before we do, I just want to ask you right there at your home, wherever you may be, maybe some of you are gathered together and watching together online, but I want you to bow your head together with me. And look, we have got a ton of people watching online in the last few weeks the word has gone out from, from Church of the Harvest and touched thousands. And I believe that, that uh, this message is going to go out and touch many. And I, I believe there's many of you that are watching, whether it's right now live or whether it's later on. I believe that there are many of you here today that you've told the Lord, Lord, I'm going to change. I'm going to walk away from this sin or this whatever it may be in my life. And you found yourself going back to it. And you find yourself right now in a position where you can relate to Peter. And you may be there today and you would say, you know what, I get it. I've denied him with my works and I've denied him with my actions. And you may say, you know, I feel like today Jesus is saying, follow me. And I choose to say, I choose to say yes. Choose to say yes, I'm going to recommit my life to following Christ. I know that there's some of you out there that need to make that commitment. But nobody else can do it for you. You have to do it. You have to make that decision that you are going to recommit your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never, never made the decision to follow Jesus with your life. Guys, you may not be a member of Church of the Harvest. We're not pressuring you to join a church or anything else. God will work out the details in your life. But you do have to be saved. The Bible says it. You do need to be born again. The Bible says if you're not born again, you won't see the kingdom of God. Jude 1.13 says, people who refuse Jesus are wild waves of the sea foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom the blackest darkness has been forever reserved. You may feel lost and alone and in darkness, but there's hope in Jesus. 1 Peter 1.4 says that as followers of Jesus, we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change or decay. Guys, we've looked today at the journey of Peter, and I would ask you, where are you at in your journey? We're all headed one direction or another, and ultimately, it's going to lead us either into God's presence in heaven, or it's going to lead to hell. People don't like to hear about heaven and hell today. Man, it makes people angry, but guys, it's the truth, and we love you enough to tell you and to warn you. How are we born again? 
Romans chapter 10 tells us that if we confess Jesus as master of our life and believe that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Um, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Where are you at in your journey? Is your life aligned with God? Is Jesus the center of it all for you? Maybe you're a believer, but things have slipped in your life and you realize that he's just not at a place of importance and you're following at a distance at the moment. Maybe you're not following at all. We're going to pray a prayer together. And I just invite you right now to search your heart. Psalm 139 verse 23 says, Search me, O God, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, point out anything in me that offends you, and lead me along the path to everlasting life. Guys, make that your prayer right now. If you're there and the Holy Spirit is convicting you, and you feel it and you know that you've been following at a distance, and that it's time for you to jump all in and follow Jesus the way of the cross, then I want you to pray this prayer with us together. Let's all bow our heads. Father, I realize that I have not lived my life for you. I've been living for myself, and it's time for a change. Lord, I need you in my life. I want you in my life. And I believe that Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice for me. The judgment that I deserved was put on Jesus as my spotless lamb. Today, Lord, I repent and I ask you to forgive my sins. Come into my life, Lord. Take up residence in my heart. Be my king. Be my Lord. Be my savior. From this day forward, I'll no longer be controlled by sin. I won't live by my desires to please myself, but I will follow you all the days of my life. Lord, my future is in your hands. Holy Spirit, fill me and empower me to be everything that you've called me to be. I choose to follow you. I choose the way of denying self. I choose the way of the cross. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, if that is you, you don't even begin to understand what has changed in your life. The Bible says that all things become new, that you become this new creation. God has given you a brand new spirit. You are no longer alone. You are not in the dark. You don't have to wander aimlessly. God's got you and he loves you regardless of what you may be walking through right now. You don't have to fear. He's in control and he's got you. If you prayed that prayer, you rededicated your life, I would love it if you would send us a private message. Send us a message on Facebook. If you want to do it publicly, do it publicly and tell us. But we want to get a little information from you. And we want, somebody to, we want to get somebody to reach out to you so that you can tell them the decision that you made and so that they can pray with you and give you some next steps and to walk with you in the beginning of this new life that you have committed to. Amen. We're going to, I know we're running a few minutes over, but guys, I just thank you for being gracious with us. I this, just feel like this is such an important day for all of us. And I do want us to go ahead and I want us to take communion together. And we're going to sing one more song. So if you would, go ahead and gather your communion elements together. Pastor Bob is going to come up and he is going to lead us in the Lord's Supper. great word this this morning I know you've been ministered to and I'm just going to take just a few moments here and we're going to take communion you can read in Isaiah 53 about the cross and all that Jesus did for us and you can do just like Peter you can follow him and one of the things I love about communion it, it is a reminder the price that was paid for us. You know, 
in the Old Testament, the Jews would bring a, a sin offering and the priests would confess the sins of the people on that offering. And then that offering was, that animal was put to death. And it was symbolic of Jesus. And what happened at the cross is that God the Father confessed all the sins of the world onto Jesus and he carried the iniquity and the effects of sin sickness, disease, infirmity he paid the price for you spirit, soul and body for your emotions for every single area he paid the price in full and when we partake of the cup that blood signifies judgment of sin it also means to us that we have a blood covenant. You want to see the love of God, look at the cross. The worst way to see how much God loves you is to look at your circumstances. Look at the cross. That's how much He loves you. It says our faith works through love. And many times we think that's faith working through loving others, but it's really knowing how much he loves us. And that's what Peter, that's what Jesus was ministering to him, how much he was accepted and loved. Even when you mess up, and, and we all have, have done that, Jesus also experienced separation from the Father. He was separated from the presence of God. And in his humanity, he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? He actually said, God, why have you forsaken me? And he was separated from the presence of God where we could be eternally in the presence of God. So I'm so thankful for everything that he did for us. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, it says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Just take the bread. You might have a cracker, wherever it is. And just picture Jesus in the cross. Just picture in your mind's eye what He did for you. And when we partake of this, we're discerning the Lord's body. It says that many don't take the communion elements in a worthy way because they don't discern the Lord's body. And many are weak and sick and die a premature death. But when we eat of this, we're eating strength and health and long life. And even emotional healing. Everything is in through that sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we partake now of the body of Christ. And we receive healing. We receive uh, emotional healing. We receive, Lord, your freedom, and we receive the price that you paid for us. We accept it, and we remember it in Jesus' name. Let's partake of the bread. If you hold your cup up, this signifies, like I said, judgment of, of sin. See, the wrath of God has been poured out on Jesus. Can you imagine Jesus receiving wrath from his Father? But he's the righteous judge. But he trusted him that there would be a resurrection day. And we partake of the blood of Jesus, knowing that our sins have been forgiven, past, present, and future are forgiven because of the blood of Jesus, the price that was paid for each of us. And that price is paid in full. 
the Bible says that the wrath of God has been completely, utterly, totally satisfied in Christ. So, Lord, we partake of the blood now. And, Lord, we just give you the thanks and praise for it. In Jesus' name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.